And welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, alongside John Paulson. And uh, we apologize, we had some technical difficulties a couple of weeks ago when we tried to upload the podcast, and uh, John's audio was missing, so that's that's hard to do a podcast without John Paulson. Um, and then we had Thanksgiving, so hopefully everybody had a good Thanksgiving weekend. John, did you have yourself a good Thanksgiving? I did have a good Thanksgiving. Uh, my wife decided not to do her full Thanksgiving dinner which is amazing uh she's gonna do it at christmas when my mom and sister are in town uh otherwise it's just me her and max and it's just a lot of food for the three of us so (laughs) we don't need that that many carbs um but no i'm looking forward to christmas now uh for the for the thanksgiving meal so we just had kind of a oh scaled down what about you how was your thanksgiving uh, it was it was really good we're kind of a, a smaller group as well we go over to my wife Kristen's parents house and you know, her grandmother comes over, her sisters comes over. So it not as small as like what you what you were talking about there, but um, it's good. It's quaint. I watch football. I'm about the only guy that's interested in football in the family, <laughs> but that's all right. I drink. I got my games on, and it's all good. Uh, tell us a little about the music that brought us in, and we'll dive into today's pod. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I went to Black Key Show with the family, and uh, my son's favorite song is Little Black Submarines. Uh, from El Camino, their album El Camino 2011. And uh, I was looking at the set list prior to the show, and they usually play it like the second to last song of their main set. And they, in the middle of the set, Joe Walsh came out for two songs, which was amazing because I've never seen Joe Walsh live, and I really like his music. And he played, they played a couple of like covers that I didn't recognize. Um, but it kind of threw off their set list, and all of a sudden they finished their main set, and they hadn't played Little Black Submarines, and I was going to have to explain... I was afraid I was going to have to explain to Max why they didn't play it after he had just seen Cake not play The Distance because the curfew ran out on the venue, which was so super frustrating. But anyway, I digress. They ended up playing it as their concert closer, which was amazing because he came out... Uh, Dan Arbrock came out with his acoustic guitar and... Uh, played the opening and then went right into the uh, electric part and it was a great closing song i think they should close every uh show with it so little black submarines by uh the black keys all right beautiful all right accuracy update john is now up to number four out of 134 experts in fantasy pros accuracy study through week 13 so he's the only ranker in the top 20 in all four track positions quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end he's 15th in quarterback seventh and running back 17th and wide receiver 11th and tight end and he's finished in the top six in seven of the last nine years that's why we call this the most accurate podcast J- jp well done doesn't surprise me at all though that you're having success uh thank you we have three weeks left and i'm actually pretty encouraged about this week because i had um Allen Robinson fairly high uh, relative to the uh, guys in the top 20 uh, accuracy-wise, and also Mitch Trubisky. I had him fairly high, four or five spots high on him. So uh, last night was a good night as far as that's concerned. I'm not going to give you any credit. Everybody everybody saw that Mitch Trubisky was going to have himself an epic (laughs) epic night, so no credit to you there. Well, I I still had him ranked 22nd, but most people (laughs) had him 25th. So, I mean, I I, I didn't really see it coming, but he does have that ability to to blow up and – and he's actually starting to run the ball again. So that's that's key for him. Yeah, he had like a five-touchdown performance last year at, at, at one point. So you're, you're right about that. We're going to give away another 4 for 4 t-shirt to a lucky listener. All you have to do is rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You'll automatically be entered to win a sweet 4 for 4 t-shirt. 
John's got a couple. I've got a couple. They are very cool. I've got them in various colors. Uh, gray is probably my favorite, but I also got a blue and a red one. We'll announce the winner on next next Friday's podcast. So again, all you have to do, rate, review the podcast, 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, automatically entered to win a 444 t-shirt, and John and I will pull that winner, or that name, ahead of next Friday's podcast. Today we're going to discuss the latest news and injuries, recap the Bears and Cowboys Thursday night game, then we're going to discuss a few of John's sneaky starts for week 14. But first, a word from our sponsors. Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site, brings the heat with a $500,000 guaranteed rake-free contest. It's called the Hooter Main Event. It's the largest and only rake-free contest of its kind that you're going to find for week 14. Remember, only Fantasy Draft are 100% of entry fees paid to contest winners. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com with promo code 444, and you'll get a free seven-day trial membership. Win betting the NFL with weekly selections from our NFL Sharp, James Salinas, the most successful super contest winner of all time. Visit Sharp Angle Sports and start winning today. So those are your two uh, sponsors for today's podcast. Again, Fantasy Draft and then Sharp Angle Sports, and if you go to sharpanglesports.com, you get NFL Sharp James Salinas' picks, and he's the most successful super contest winner of all time. We start off our podcast with some week 14 injuries and some news. Daniel Jones, quarterback of the Giants, likely out. Eli Manning is going gonna, is gonna to play against the Eagles. How does that impact guys like Tate and Ingram, and Golden Tate, John, and Evan Ingram, the tight end, should be back on, on Monday? What do you think? Yeah, and uh, Eli's got a whole uh, plethora of weapons here. He's got Golden Tate, Evan Ingram back, and then Sterling Shepard's healthy now. And Darius Slayton has come on and is a nice weapon. He's got actually got a good receiving corner if you look at the look at it as a whole now. Um, this will be. I'm interested to see how he how he plays coming off the bench after such a long layoff against the Eagles. The Eagles have a really good rush defense, so they kind of have a pass funnel tendencies there but their pass defense is improving and has been better the last few weeks except for that uh debacle down in miami um, but they had been improving prior to that um so you're looking at daniel jones's numbers on the year um 18 touchdowns 11 interceptions uh 216 yards per game uh 6 6.4 yards per attempt uh 61.6 completion percentage none of this is real uh, impressive in terms of a uh, big drop-off going back to, to Eli Manning, who's obviously not what he once was, but uh, he's certainly capable of, you know, 1.6 touchdowns per game, uh, 6.4 yards per attempt, uh, that type of stuff. So I don't see this as a big drop-off in terms of the uh, pass catchers, and he's not going to run the ball at all, whereas um, – uh, Daniel Jones uh, ran it three or four times a game, typically. So uh, those are a few extra pass attempts probably for the Giants offense. So I don't see this as a big drop-off. Um, I think the problem here for any of these guys, starting any of them, is that it's a pretty crowded uh, uh, receiving core now. And I don't know if there's going to be enough yardage, touchdowns, uh, receptions to go around to, to make everybody fantasy viable. Le'Veon Bell looks like he's iffy with an illness. What do you think about Bilal Powell or Ty Montgomery if Le'Veon Bell can't play? Yeah, I think heading into the season, there was this general sense that Ty Montgomery uh, was the proper guy to back up Bell, and then uh, but Powell is actually a good player. He's um, he's kind of 
surprised every year at some point in the season. And if you just look at the last four weeks, uh, Bell has 58 rush attempts. Paul has 23. Uh, Montgomery has eight. Uh, the touches are 15 receptions for Bell, four for Powell, and two for Montgomery. So from a touch standpoint, if you're comparing Powell and Montgomery over the last four weeks, 27 touches for Powell, 10 for Montgomery, and then they, Josh Adams had eight uh, touches as well. Looks like they came in uh, four each in weeks 11 and 12. So um, I'm expecting Powell to carry the load here if if Bell's out. But typically with illnesses, um, the player plays on Sunday. So I'm, I'd be surprised if Bell sits unless he's got something uh, fairly serious. John, it looks like Matt Breed is going to be back for the 49ers. They get a good mat. They got a tough matchup against the Saints, and of course with that running back by committee approach in San Francisco, where do you think Matt Breida slots in? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at uh, Mostert and Coleman as similar type players. They, they uh, Kyle Shanahan tends to use Coleman as mainly a, a runner. He has some catches as well. And then when Breida's active, then you know, Breida's involved in both the run pass game, but he's more of the change of pace back no matter who he's backing up. And I, I get the sense that Mostert has passed Coleman based on the last – a um, couple of weeks, uh, Mostert had 25 uh, carries to uh, Coleman's 16 over the last two weeks. Obviously, it was even more pronounced, 19 to 5 in week 13 uh, in terms of touches, 21 to 6 uh, touches, uh, 19 to 5 in, in carries. So yeah, I don't trust Coleman at all. Uh, I don't really trust Mostert, but I think he's probably um, ahead of Coleman. And then you have Breda coming in. Uh, probably is the number two behind Mostert, and maybe Coleman is a three. But this is, you know, a three-headed backfield in a bad matchup against the Saints. There might be some points scored in this one, but the Saints don't really give up a lot on the ground. So I really don't trust any of these guys as more of like an RB three flex type. We're going over Week 14 injuries and other news. Dalvin Cook, meanwhile, Minnesota running back, practiced again. He suffered a chest injury in that Monday night loss to the Seahawks. Practice again on Friday. He was left off the final injury report. I would imagine, John, this is great news for Dalvin Cook owners. Yeah, they've basically confirmed that he's going to play, and he, you know, supposedly won't be on a snap count. Can't re-injure his uh, shoulder, chest. Um, I still am downgrading. Like normally, I think if he were fully healthy, he'd be number two back this week. Um, but I've got him at more at five or six. Uh, I think that this is a, a game where there's a number of scenarios where Alexander Madison can end up with a good fantasy day. Uh, Cook could get re-injured if uh, he plays, I mean, which he probably will. He could get re-injured and have to sit out. He could get knocked out for a spell, and, and, and Madison takes over for a while. Or the team could, uh, the Vikings could jump out to a lead on the Lions in a very winnable game uh, for the Vikings. If they jump out to a lead on the uh, on the on the Lions they may elect to rest Cook in the second or the third, uh, fourth quarter if uh, they have that lead and they just want to give him some rest. They certainly have Madison to pick up the slack, and he's uh, been pretty effective whenever he's had a chance. So I'm looking at Madison. I had Madison actually as high as like 23, 24 and half PPR uh, when it wasn't. we weren't sure if Cook was going to be 100%. Um, but now it's more like 27, 28 range, and he's – you know, kind of a RB3 flex type as well. But I, you know, you're not going to feel comfortable starting him, uh, but he might end up with a good day. Speaking of running backs, let's go to Oakland. Josh Jacobs, 
Didn't do much at practice, according to head coach John Gruden. Jacobs has been dealing with a shoulder injury. He's officially questionable. Josh Jacobs, the rookie, has been so good. And owners now, as we transition into playoffs, John, what's your advice for Josh Jacobs owners? Well, yeah, he didn't do much at practice Friday. I didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday, which was basically a downgrade uh, from the previous weeks. Um, he had been he had been limited um, all week. Um, I think the last week and maybe the week prior and ended up playing uh, on Sunday. So then the news came out that he has a fracture in his shoulder. So I'm wondering if the Raiders are now going to change their tune on him so that they, they don't look like they're being reckless with their star running back. I don't, you know, this is a, I would say this is a pretty dicey situation um, with the Raiders playing late on Sunday. We're going to have to hope for a, a tweet bomb from Schefter or Ian Rappaport uh, letting us know whether or not the player intends to play. Um, you know, looking at the pivots off of that, I think DeAndre Washington is your primary ball carrier. If he, if uh, Jacobs can't play, um, Washington has 48 carries on the season to Jalen Richard. Uh, uh, is it Richard or Richard? Richard. Jalen Richard, right? Yeah. Uh, 23 uh, carries for him uh, on the season. Receptions wise, it's 18 for Washington. Uh, Richard has 26. So, uh, you know, Richard has a particular set of skills that uh, are mainly in the passing game. Uh, he's a pretty good runner as well, but uh, Washington has typically handled that. And he's out-touched uh, Richard 66-49 to 49 this um, season. So I would expect a similar split if, if Jacob sits. So he's uh, Liam Nielsen and Taken. He has a specific exactly. set of particular skills. Exactly, particular set. Yeah, I like that. Marlon Mack, uh, he's, he should be back this week for the Colts. Two potential pitfalls here, though. Two challenges for Marlon Mack owners. One, Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, says that he's planning on using Marlon Mack, quote, on a pitch count. The other issue, John, as you're well aware of, is that Tampa Bay owns one of, if not the league, league's best run defense. So are you advising Marlon Mack owners to just wait this one out and not play their back this week? I, ha- I hate to correct you, but Frank Reich actually said he doesn't plan to use ah, a pitch well, count from Marlon no, Mack. I'm, gl- um, I'm glad you did. Thank you. Well, there's a, that's why there's two of us here um, <laughs> to figure it out. Uh, yeah, this is – I have no problem with Marlon Mack using him and, and you know deploying him, if, especially if this were a – a good matchup, but it's not. Uh, the The Buccaneers are first, I think, in adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, running backs. I'm scanning right now. Actually, the third. I'm sorry. They are second in fantasy points allowed to running backs. Just just raw fantasy points allowed to running backs. Um, and to top it off, Mac doesn't do a whole lot uh, in the receiving game to justify or to offset you know a lack of rushing prowess uh or uh, if there's a if there's problems in the running game uh he can't really make up for that and is you know with a heavy involvement as a receiver uh the the upside here is there, there should be points scored in this game um the the colts are down ty hilton which takes one of the best playmakers off the field for them uh so matt could see a rushing touchdown or two if if things break his way um but uh, you just it's hard to see him getting multiple touchdowns in this game against the Bucks, especially if he's primarily a runner. The Bucks defense is just that good against the against the run, and they pretty much funnel everything to the pass. So you you would expect Brissett and uh, the passing game to have a, a bigger effect in this game than Marlon Mack. 
All right, John, kind of a convoluted situation with the Chiefs running back. So wade through this with me, then let us know what you think. Damian Williams has a ribs, a, a ribs injury. He's officially out for the matchup against the Patriots. So he will not play. Do you feel as though that there's one key back that will, you know, um, that should get the start this week if you're if you're a fantasy owner because you got Lashawn McCoy, there's Darwin Thompson, Spencer Ware. I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of guys here. How would you wade through the situation involving the Kansas City running game? Well, number one, I wouldn't uh, even worry about Spencer Ware. You know, they just signed him off the street. We don't know what kind of shape he's in. He knows the offense, and that's why they signed him. It's ba- I think it's basically an emergency signing. I saw that from one of the beat writers. So presuming that they're healthy, the other two stay healthy, I think LaShawn McCoy and Darwin Thompson end up splitting the work. Uh, Andy Reid has made no secret about his wish to limit McCoy's touches. So I'm, I'm thinking that they're going to split those snaps. And if you look back to week 13, Darwin Thompson saw 36%. LaShawn McCoy saw 36% of the snaps, and that was after uh, – Daryl Williams went out with a hamstring injury. That's when Darwin started getting a lot of carries, and he ended up carrying the ball in the fourth quarter quite a bit. So I think you're going to see a basically a, a split, a pretty even split between Darwin Thompson and Michelle McCoy. I think Michelle McCoy will get a little bit, uh, will have a little bit more uh, role maybe in the red zone and uh, goal line carries, and probably has a better chance to score a touchdown. Um, but both players will be active. the The problem again here, like it was with Marlon Mack, is that this is a uh, bad matchup against the Patriots. Um, the, the Patriots are sixth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. So I think they've yielded two total rushing, t- uh, two total running back touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving, uh, two opposing running backs this year. So the fewest amount of raw fantasy points allowed to running backs. So neither player is a real good start, uh, especially because they're splitting the work. But if you're in a real pinch and you just get somebody who's going to get 10 to 12 touches, I think both McCoy and uh, Darwin Thompson have a chance to do that. Marquise Brown, wide receiver to the uh, of the Ravens. He's officially questionable for Week 14 against the Bills. Now, there's a couple of things here at play. One, he's dealing with an ankle injury, John, and he is questionable. The other issue is that you know he's got a tough matchup against one of the more underrated cornerbacks in the league in Tre'Davious White of the Buffalo Bills. The Bills defensively, while improved, their big weakness is their run defense, and as we know, the Ravens love to run against anybody. So. A lot of things seemingly working against Brown. Do you start him or do you avoid him? I avoid him, and I know he's got big play potential. I mean, he's faster than just about anybody in the field, and he could catch a long one for a touchdown or even two. He did that. He caught two touchdowns against the Rams, and, he, of course, he had two touchdowns against the um, Dolphins in week one, but he's had a lot of substandard games as well, you know, four for 22 against the Browns, three for 48 against the Patriots, two for 23 against the in a great matchup against the Texans. He had one catch for one yard against the 49ers last week. So, um, you know, given the fact that he was added to the um, injury report with a uh, with an ankle injury, which he's been bothered with all year, uh, plus the low volume of this passing game, plus the, pa- uh, the run funnel tendencies of the Bills defense, I just don't think this is a good spot for Brown. You know, that's, that said – you know, he's a good player and he could end up having a, a good fantasy day. I just don't, I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, it's kind of tough. You're, you're, you're trying to assess whether or not a guy is going to be one, active, and then two, if he's going to be impactful. And of course, he's a good player. Like you said, he could go off, but, you know, 
we don't have the uh, advantage of hindsight here. Let's stick with some some wide receivers, move on some tight ends, and then we'll, we'll move forward with, the, with some sneaky starts. You mentioned this before, T.Y. Hilton's out again, Paris Campbell. He's back. Is he startable? With Hilton out and also Eric Ebron out, let's not forget that, they're just shorthanded. So you've got Zach Pascal, um, you got was it Marcus Johnson, uh, the other receiver, uh, Chester Rogers, I believe is out for the year. I know he's out for this week. Uh, so I think Campbell comes back and ends up playing 60, 70% of the snaps. And I'm looking at his game log right now. In week four, he played against the, the Raiders. He had five catches for 25 yards on eight targets that game. Um, he had a fumble in that game as well. He played 63% of the snaps. Uh, against the Steelers in Week 9, he played 62% of the snaps. He had five catches for 53 yards in that game on five targets, and then added three rushes for 27 yards in that game. So he got you know eight eight touches in that game. He had eight targets in Week 4. Uh, so when he's on the field, they try to get him the ball, and he could surprise. I mean, I'm not. He just hasn't had much of a fantasy impact yet. He's yet to crack. I mean, I guess he had um, 13 points in week nine uh, in PPR formats. But before that, he had yet to crack nine points all season. Um, but if, this is a great matchup against the Bucks. Uh 32nd, just a fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Uh, so if there is a week where he could uh, really emerge and be a viable starter, uh, it's this week. Again, it's just risk uh, and, and how much is he going to play and you know how healthy is he. But, I mean, given how shorthanded they are, I have to think that he's getting at least the, the third most snaps at receiver for that team. Julio Jones and uh, Austin Hooper are back for the Falcons. What's the impact there on both Matt Ryan and also Calvin Ridley? Well, I would say it's pretty good for Matt Ryan, uh, wouldn't you? Being a, uh, well, a Falcons unfor- fan is probably good. Unfortunately, if Matt Ryan isn't on his back, yeah, I do. I, I think that. <laughs> but as the Saints showed us on Thanksgiving night, he's usually on his back. I uh, I have to start Ridley, I think, in our, in our league. Uh, I'm in the... I blew my chance at a bye last week, and I'm playing in the uh, I, know, I guess it's the quarterfinals of the of the playoffs. And uh, I've got a pretty stacked receiving core, but they're all like I got Godwin, I got a bunch of wide receiver twos, so I got to decide about uh, decide about. Um, but I think I'm gonna start Ridley. Um, his you know usage went up after Sanu left. I think this you know, Julio and Hooper coming back obviously are gonna pinch his targets. He saw 14 targets in Week 12. I think Julio was active for that game. And then um, in week 13 against the Saints, he saw 10 targets. He had eight catches for 91 yards. He had six for 85 and a touchdown in week 12 against the Bucks. He had eight for 143 and a touchdown against the Panthers on eight targets in week 11. So even with Julio, you know, 22 targets week 11 and week 12. Um, so that's plenty of work. But then Hooper coming back is going to maybe put a ding in that. But I think what it will also do, it will also help him get free. Um, obviously, the the secondary will be uh, focused on, on Julio, and they'll have to deal with Hooper as well. And maybe Ridley sees one to two to three fewer targets than he normally would uh, if those two were out. But he, he'll have a chance to be more efficient on those on those catches. Probably, those targets will probably be better because Matt Ryan will be going to him when he's open, not throwing to him when he has to. So uh, I feel pretty good about Ridley, Ridley this week. Hooper, I would... You know, slot in there as a mid-range tight end one in his first game back. The the Panthers are 18th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Um, so I've got him at seven right now and half PPR behind Doyle, Hunter Henry, Waller, Ertz, Kelsey, and Kittle. Um, but I think he's a pretty solid start given how great he was prior. It's just that first game back, you wonder if they'll limit his snaps at all. And then Julio is Julio. I mean, you 
you pretty much have to start him when, when he's uh, when he's active. I would hope that you won't, you wouldn't need this podcast to tell you to start Julio Jones. I'm I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Gerald. A couple more of these injuries. Gerald Everett, the tight end for the Rams, still not practicing. Tyler Higby, any thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean he, you know, using the flowchart method of, of fantasy, you started him last week against the worst def, uh, tight end defense in the league. They're, the 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 Cardinals are 32nd, just fans points a lot of tight ends. He was listed as a sneaky start, and he gets you 7 for 107 and a touchdown on 8 targets. They're not really using Brandon Cooks uh, in the offense much at all. Um, so this third receiver type in this offense is pretty valuable, and even though the, the, the Seahawks are better then the Cardinals against tight ends are still 23rd and just a fancy points allowed to tight end. So if, if Everett remains out, which I think he will, then I think Higby is a, is a tight end one this week. All right. Then Greg Olson is out. We saw the nasty injury he suffered last week. Any thoughts on Ian Thomas? He was at one point kind of a, a hot name for a while, fantasy wise. Uh, any thoughts on him against the Falcons? Yeah. Late last year, he was, a you know, a kind of a hot commodity. Uh, he had a little chance earlier in the year, late last year. He was a rookie last year, I think. Um, didn't do much with Olsen out, but then towards the end of the um, season, he had a nice little stretch, and I, I went back and looked at his splits. In seven games without Olsen last season, Thomas averaged four catches for 38 yards and .29 touchdowns, which is pretty solid tight end production. Um, you're getting eight and change uh, there, 10 points or so in PPR. It's not bad at all. Uh, his, his playing time obviously spiked last week with Olsen being knocked out of that game. Uh, he had 43% of the snaps, and he caught four or four targets for 24 yards. So the reason I mentioned that was because Olsen played 52% of the snaps in that game, and you know Thomas's um, playing time was diminished because of that. But when he was in there, uh, Kyle Allen was looking for him. He caught four targets and just 43% of the snaps. So let's say he sees 70 80% of the snaps. We can maybe pencil him in for six to eight targets. Uh, they did say that they were going to – uh, run a committee at the tight end position, but he's by far the best athlete and uh, receiving tight end there. So uh, I think he's streamable in a game that you know that should see some points there uh, in Atlanta uh, in the Dome. All right, final injury question. David Njoku, is he worthy of a start if he returns this week? A lot of hype surrounding the Browns tight end at the start of the year. Didn't do much, then got hurt. What are your thoughts as he returns? Yeah, I, in the preseason, um, I did not like Njoku uh based on what I thought would be a reduced role in the uh, Cleveland passing attack. He played 90% of the snaps in week one and did catch four passes for 37 yards and a touchdown on six targets. So the early returns were pretty good, 13.7 fantasy points. He played 15% of the snaps in week two. Uh, It was just 10 snaps and wasn't targeted against the Jets, and he's obviously been out this whole time. Um, Week 14 is not... You know, after a whatever 10, 12 week layoff is not when I want to be rolling uh, a player out there. I mean, he could return value, but the the tight end position right now uh, has gotten a lot healthier and a lot more appealing in terms of finding options with Doyle emerging as a tight end one, Hooper coming back, uh, Jared Cook coming back and being productive, Dallas Goddard, you know, being a big part of that Philly offense. Kyle Rudolph is. Kind of an exciting play with Adam Thielen out. Uh, Higby is an exciting play with uh, Everett out. Gasicki, which we're going to talk a little bit about later. McDonald has uh, the Cardinals this week. Uh, Ryan Griffin's been good. Jacob Hollister's been good. Evan Ingram is back. So, you know, that's 
I'm going down to Ingram at 17 there. Um, I don't think that I would have Njoku any higher than that, certainly, and I probably will have him if he's once he's um, activated from IR. I'll probably have him in the low 20s, you know, right around Jimmy Graham, Ian Thomas, Darren Fells. Uh, just don't know how many snaps he's going to get, how many targets he's going to get with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Kareem Hunt gobbling up uh, targets in that offense. All right, before we get to some sneaky starts and also a breakdown of the Thursday night football matchup, want to share a word from our sponsors. Fantasy Draft, the only rate-free daily fantasy site in the business, brings the heat again with a $500,000 guaranteed rate-free contest. It's called the Hooter Main Event with its $70,000 first place payout. This is the largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere for Week 14 in the NFL. That's right. Fantasy Draft is the only daily fantasy site where you can play contests with no management fees taken out of the prize pools 100% of the time, not just for a limited time when it comes to promotional contests. Listen, as other fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like you to win, whether you call it rake, commission or management fee the days of paying 10 12 or even 16 percent of your entry fees to fantasy companies are now over no longer will you lose 30 percent of your bankroll to the house sign up at fantasydraft.com today with promo code 444 and you'll receive a seven day free trial on your first one thousand dollars of rake free rake free entry fees that's fantasydraft.com promo code 444 don't miss your shot on millions of dollars in rake-free contests this season. Start playing on Fantasy Draft today. Your bankroll is going to love it. This podcast also brought to you by Sharp Angle Sports. It's the exclusive home for NFL selections from James Salinas, the most successful Super Contest winner of all time. Not only did Salinas win the Westgate Super Contest in 2015, but he finished third in 2016 and 20 and 26 in 2018. Over the last four years, picking 85 games a year, James Salinas has compiled a remarkable record of 63.3% against the spread. There's only one place to get James Salinas' NFL against the spread and over-under selections each week, and that's at sharpanglesports.com. Make sure you visit sharpanglesports.com today. John, Thursday Night Football, Bears, very surprising. Mitchell Trubisky, very surprising effort, although you, as you mentioned at the start of the pod, you thought maybe he could have a decent game, at least more so than other rankers. Uh, what what are, what were your other takeaways along with Mitchell Trubisky for the from the Bears? Well, first off, when I'm watching a game like Dallas versus Chicago, it's I don't know who to root for or to root at all. <laughs> uh, there are four teams that I always root against as a Packer fan: the Bears, the Vikings for obvious reasons, the Cowboys, and the Patriots for obvious reasons. So. Um, this is always, you know, my wife asks, well, who are we rooting for tonight? Because she doesn't always know who's up on the standings. Is the, are the Bears, you know, going to be a problem in the NFC North, et cetera? And I just say, well, it depends on the record, on the records. I think they're both six and six, so I don't even know. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's just let's just root for my players that I have ranked high. And yeah. that was uh, happened to be Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, um, and Mitch Trubisky. So we ended up rooting uh, for the Bears. Uh, more so than the um, than the Cowboys, uh, I think the key for Trubisky is that he's running uh, 63 yards. I don't know why he stopped. You know, most of this year he's got good legs. You could see him bursting, and when he's aggressive with his runs, I think it opens up other things for him. And you know, he threw that interception early and bounced back. Uh, 
Um, and basically, I, I don't you know know why the, uh, the Cowboys were covering Allen Robinson in the slot with a linebacker. I, mean, I think that's bad. It's <laughs> a bad plan. <laughs> it's suboptimal. Uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start with that. Like, it's he's obviously the number one target for that team. Why would you put like a mediocre anyway? Um, so. I, you know, Robinson, I think, is really good. Miller's really good when uh, – they're both really good in terms of their involvement in the offense, especially with uh, Taylor Gabriel uh, sidelined. Now, Robinson only saw eight targets. Miller saw four. Uh, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the Bears jumped out to a lead, but luckily they both found the end zone and were both productive. Um, David Montgomery, you know, 86 yards rushing – there was a couple of plays where he just kind of walked to the line of scrimmage. Did you see that? It was pretty yeah. odd. I don't know if he doesn't couldn't see a hole, so he was waiting for one to open up, but it looked like he was walking. But he's I mean, he looks good when he, you know, hits the hole hard and and busts through. Uh didn't have a catch though, which is super alarming for a guy who's actually got three down skill set. We ended up with Cohen again with six catches on six targets and um and then Jesper Horst Horsted um catching four passes for thirty six. Uh, J.P. Holtz <laughs> catching three for 56. I mean, seven for 90 yards is just eaten up by, by two tight ends that no one would ever start. Uh, <laughs> that's just that's rough for fantasy owners. But luckily, Robinson Miller, you know, Trubisky and uh, Montgomery all have decent days to, to get really good days. All right, now we flip over to, to the Cowboys, and you won't get any Jerry Jones, Jason Garrett stuff on this podcast. So let's make sure that we focus in on uh, the fantasy aspect here. Not a great game again. I mean, these are tough matchups. Chicago's good defense, but, um, you know, Dak Prescott, well, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, Dak Prescott, 334 yards and a touchdown. Elliott, 81 yards, a pair of touchdowns. Mari Cooper, eight targets, caught six of them, 83 yards and a touchdown. So their main three really played well, and Michael Gallup caught 109, uh, 109 yards. He caught six passes for 109 yards. So I guess from a fantasy perspective, John, everything's good from Dallas' standpoint. Well, yeah, they uh, they the garbage time and forty nine attempts for for Prescott and he ended up with a pretty good uh, pretty good day. He didn't run the ball a whole lot. They did try a design run uh, for a touchdown in the first half, but he got pretty he laid out at the line of scrimmage. Um, I w- the thing that was interesting to me was that Tony Pollard was out. I think the over under on Ezekiel Elliott's catches was three point five. He ended up with five targets. One bounced off his hands. I didn't see the other two if they were drops or just bad passes, but he only ended up with two catches for 12 yards against a team, the, the bears who were either fourth or fifth in most uh, receptions allowed to running backs. Um, so they did, really didn't use Elliot intelligently uh, in the passing game. And I, I saw a number of plays where he was wide open. You know, if he caught the ball, he was facing the defense sort of by the sideline and instead Prescott threw it to, uh, Jason Witten or Blake Jarwin uh, over the middle of the field when they had to, you know, cover. I mean, they made the catches, but they got tackled immediately. Uh, just some opportunities there in the passing game that uh, Prescott did not take with with Elliott, and that kind of didn't sink his day because he ended up with the two touchdowns. But a little disappointing. He could really have had a monster, monster game winning, uh, week winning type uh, performance last week or uh, this week with uh, with Pollard out. All right, some sneaky starts for Week 14. Ryan Fitzpatrick is uh, one of the quarterbacks that you like. Uh, kind of a nice matchup with the Jets. This always makes me nervous recommending Fitzpatrick because it he's just the type of player that he's pretty up and down and inconsistent, but he has these hot runs, 
And then just when you, or just when I, I don't know why I'm saying you because it's me. Uh, uh, we're a team. Just when it. I feel comfortable. Yeah. Just when I feel comfortable enough to recommend him, he usually has a meltdown game <clears throat> with, uh, you know, two to three to five interceptions. And, you know, he's, he, I think he was quoted as this week as saying he's never been this confident. <laughs> like this is, this is terrifying, but it's also kind of like exciting, you know, in yeah. a way it's like, it's like riding a, a roller coaster maybe, or that, that moment where you're, you know, you're, you're going up and it's like click, 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 and you're getting to the very top and you can start to feel the, uh, the roller coaster, like, start to the gravity starting to take it down this giant drop. That's what I sort of feel like with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's got 20.6 or more fantasy points in four of his last seven games, including 23.7 against the same Jets team in week nine. Um, the Jets are down uh, their best defensive player. Um, so this is looking like a good, you know, position for, for Fitzpatrick in this offense after they, you know, blew up the Eagles, but it's Fitzpatrick. So, you know, you, you have to be prepared for the, the three interception uh, benching meltdown uh, as well. I mean, he's definitely has a wide range of outcomes every time you, you roll him out there. Yeah. Jamal Adams is the uh, Jets defensive back. Who's one of yeah, the top defenders. Yeah, I his name. Um, and, and I know how that also factors into the tight end position. We'll get to him in a second here, but um, running backs, who are the two running backs you like this week? Yeah, I think Devontae Freeman, you know, he did not do much last week, uh, but he did dominate the workload. And the Panthers, the matchup is just fantastic for Freeman. They're 32nd and just a fantasy points allowed to running backs, uh, the Panthers are. So they would be wise, the Falcons would be wise to feed Freeman, get him his 15 to 18 carries and then a few catches and uh, let him rack up the yards there for uh, for the Falcons in the, in the running game since the, the Panthers are so bad. Um, I think this is a, a spot where you could pretty much you can start him pretty confidently as an RB two, I and mean, he's not obviously pr- provided that this year. But we know he has the talent from years past that he's you know he's good enough to produce those sort of numbers. Um, the other guy I wanted to mention is Patrick Laird, and I know there's been a lot of buzz on Twitter uh, about him, and um, <laughs> some of it's kind of supposed to be funny, I guess. But he's uh, the main guy now uh, with Kalen Balaj. I mean. Kalen Blodge is like the perfect running back for the Dolphins if they're trying to tank uh, because he's you could roll him out there. He looks he looks the part and can, you know, occasionally break a run or whatever, but he's injured now and he's knocked out um, for the season. Uh, Laird had 11 touches and two and a half quarters of play last game. Uh, he wasn't productive as a runner, and I don't expect to be too productive against the Jets uh, as a runner, but he should catch quite a few passes uh, out of the backfield. He's had a touchdown on uh, a reception and has a uh, had a uh, two-point conversion on a reception. Oh, he had a rushing touchdown and a two-point conversion reception. Um, the Jets are past funnel defense. Uh, there should be quite a few points scored in this game, so I think this is a decent spot for, for layers, especially in PPR formats. One of the uh, hotter connections right now in the NFL is Duck Hodges to James Washington, and you like James yeah. Washington as one of your sneaky starts for wide receivers. I know this is a little risky. Uh, you know, Washington has a tendency to, to flash and then disappear, but he's been pretty good. Um, pretty good lately. I mean, he's got uh, nine, you know, ninety yards and a touchdown in three of his last four games. Uh, in the other games, he had four for sixty-nine and three for forty-nine. So he didn't, you know, he wouldn't kill you uh, with a goose egg in those games. So he's seen enough work to feel pretty confident about starting him. Um, 
The Cardinals are 27th adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. They gave up 13 for 172 to Robert Woods, 6 for 65 and a touchdown to Cooper Cup, 8 for 134 to Debo Samuel, 4 for 31 and a touchdown to Kenrick Bourne, 4 for 82 to Mike Evans, and four, 6 for 74 to uh, Chris Godwin. So I, you know, I think Washington is a solid start this week. All right, and then finally that tight end, I kind of teased it a little bit. Um, if you put it two and two together, John likes Mike Gusecki. I do, and I, you know what, Anthony, we talked about my tight end position, and you know, in our in our league together, I picked him up. I've got him, and I've got uh, Ryan Griffin, and I have to decide who to start. And right now, I'm leaning towards Gesicki. He's got he had 26 games to start the, his career with no touchdowns, and then he has a touchdown back to back games. So he he's probably due for another 26 game run here with no touchdowns. But I like him with this current offense uh Preston Williams is out so he's really the number two option in the passing game after Devontae Parker uh he's number six in air yards at his position since week nine uh so it's all there if he could catch a couple long ones I'm good to go he's a very athletic tight end I mean we we I think we write off tight ends too early especially in fantasy we're expecting them to come into the league as rookies like a lot of receivers and running backs do and tear it up but very rarely does a rookie tight end do much. Uh, so now he's in his second year and things are starting to click for him and the team really needs him because of the you know the injury to Williams. So um, I like Gesicki this week as well. All right, that's John Paulson. You can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast for a chance to get one of those sweet 444 T-shirts. All you have to do is rate and review the most accurate podcast on Apple Podcasts, and you'll automatically be entered to win that 4 for 4 t-shirt. We'll announce the winner on next week's week's podcast, which will be on Friday. Good luck. I know playoffs are starting around the uh, fantasy football world. Good luck if you're playing this week. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on 4for4.com. It's the most accurate podcast.